far we can go. If you have any questions anytime, if you'll raise your hand and let them know, we'll stop and try to get them answered. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 sort of puts us all in the same bucket. He talks about God and God revealing himself to the Gentiles. The Gentiles then decided they didn't want to follow God. And so we ended up with this situation. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since we may know what about God is plain to them, because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of God's world, invisible quality, for, let me try that again. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men were without excuse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them and they are without excuse. The NIV talks about God's eternal being, that he has invisible qualities in his divine nature. But he lets that be seen. The Amplified helps us a little bit. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is of God, known about God is evident to them, made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the celebration of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity has been made intelligible and clearly discernible. And through the things which he has made, his handiworks, so men are without excuse altogether, without any defense or justification. Now, he's talking about things like looking up at the heavens, and you see the heavens that give rain or don't give rain. At night, you can see the stars. They, they're so predictable, we can guide ourselves by the stars. And he says that's the kind of thing that God showed them. There's an order here that just didn't happen. They decided that they wanted their sinful desires. And they gave their hearts to sexual impurity, the degrading of their bodies with one another. 
and they decided they wanted to worship things rather than the creator who is praise forever. Now, I grew up in a family of, in Pennsylvania that had a bunch of lumbermen in it. Five brothers went together and they all served at the same time. It became a thing that on Friday nights, they play cards. And they let us sit in and watch. We couldn't play. We were just kids. No money was involved. They didn't have any. But about 30 minutes in, one of the brothers would look at one of the other brothers and say, you're cheating, aren't you? You've never had this kind of luck before. And then another brother would chime in on him, and another brother would chime in on him, and they were just having a good time. People are like that. People like what they like. People can go to the point where they think, I am superior and I should have my way. And people can say, I'm inferior and I shouldn't have my way. But you don't have to go far before somebody's going to tell you, don't tell me what to do. They're going to do the opposite. That's what's happened here. They wanted to do the opposite. So they made up themselves gods. These are the Egyptian gods that Moses faced. But if you look at them, you see a mixture of animal and human. They were human enough that they could get along in this world, but they, they still had that animal nature in them. In fact, the two that really ruled most of Egypt was a dog and a snake. The snake represented a cobra. And you knew who was ruling and who was the pharaoh in Egypt because he was the only one allowed to have the cobra on top of his head. But why would they do that? Well, if I can make the God, I can determine what he will accept and what he will reject. It's sort of like looking at the other person and just out of getting his goat telling that you thought he was cheating. They were just out to get each other's goat and, and get them mad enough that they could win a couple hands. People want what they want, and they will go to any extreme to get it. <laughs> and that's what he said. They did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, and so God just gave them over to their depraved mind to do what they knew they ought not to do. They knew it was wrong. They did it anyway. So they did things like evil and greed and depravity and envy and murder and strife and deceit. Now they come to the ones that don't seem as bad. They're gossip and slanderers. They're God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. 
They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. They know what God wants. But even though they know what God wants and that God has told them that they, people who do such things deserve death, they stay right there, doing their own thing. And that brings us to chapter 2. This is Moses with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments gave them exactly... Isn't this broader than the Gentiles in chapter 1? It's all the people who are, who've rejected God. Yes. Jew and Gentile alike. Yes. And that's what, I'll get there, but you're ahead of me as usual. Okay. My slow northern ways are, are coming around here. The Jews had the law. They had it written down, what God expected of them. And boy, it made them feel superior. We've got a law direct from God. And nobody else does. So they would brag about relying on the law. They would brag about how God loved them more than he loved Gentiles. They proved a way that they, they could become part of that superior group. All they had to do was keep the laws Memorize the first three books of the law, which is something to do. And then if you were male to be circumcised, and you were part of the Jewish people then. If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. What do you see in those words? I have enough knowledge that I can teach those who are blind and don't have anything. I have enough knowledge that I can show the foolish the way to go. I'm a teacher of those Gentiles who don't, haven't even begun to go down this road. They're proud and they're arrogant. And Paul brings them to that knowledge. You then who teach others do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's one of those 
ouch times. They could say they were so much better and so superior, but not really. They weren't superior in any way. So, have you ever looked at something like the Jews and then you realized that you were guilty of doing the same things? There were two of us for a long time in our family, kids, and my sister and I fought continually over who should do what. What that was was I didn't want to do more than she was doing, and she didn't want to do any more than I was doing, and so we were down the spiral. We were both doing the same thing. But the point that he makes in chapter 2 is, if you judge others, you're showing who you are yourself. That's not your place. That's not what God wants either. And he doesn't want people just to judge. Now he gets serious. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you become as one, you become as one as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirement, they are not, they are not be, they are not being too guarded as though they were circumcised. The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written law and circumcision, you are a lawbreaker. Now circumcision happened to the male and he was considered the spiritual guide, the man who had it all. He's the man who directed everything. In this day and time, when it came to the Jewish family, the male made every determination. So Paul says, okay, you've taken on the idea of, of teaching people, of looking superior, of telling people about their circumcision and how that's made you special. But it's just outside. Yes? Isn't Paul really setting the stage for how he's going to say all that you believed if you were a Jew is valueless? Because mm-hmm. that first, in that uh, first part of the, the verse there he, where he says if you're circumcised but you don't keep the law what he means is if you don't keep the whole law perfectly you may as well be uncircumcised yes that's exactly what he means and, and so he's setting the stage to come into chapter 3 as far as saying you say they're lost you're just as lost those who are without God reject God are just as, law, are just as lost as those who say I keep the law and I'm fine right very good 
verse 27, it's saying that it's saying that because they do that, you know, they're leading the Gentiles that might be trying to do the right thing. You know, they may be doing, trying to do what they think is right. And they see them doing the wrong thing and leading them the other direction. Absolutely. Good point. These are the Pharisees in Jesus' day. To be a Pharisee, you needed to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. If you've ever read the first five books of the Old Testament, you know how hard that was. You get to Leviticus and it's just law after law after law. And so you spent all the time to become a Pharisee. And the people look to the Pharisee for their religious answers. But when Jesus walked the earth, there wasn't a group that opposed him more than the Pharisees. They thought he ate with people of too low caliber. They were too sinful for a righteous man to deal with. They would look at him do a miracle and they couldn't figure out why it was done so they would give it a demon made it or a devil gave him the power to do that miracle. He healed a man from the, from, who was blind from birth and you would think that once a man who was blind from birth can see everybody would be happy. They weren't. It was at the wrong time, on the wrong day, and the guy had to be a terrible sinner. So what would a righteous man be doing, healing a sinner who was blind from birth? And How can you look at the very Son of God? And you are the most religious people that everybody else looks for answers from, and you're running in. God himself down. That's where Paul's putting the Jewish people. They couldn't see God when he was walking around. So what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that the Jews and the Gentiles alike are all under sin. Now, I had a question that we sent out two weeks ago that these are ways that we are alike. Wanda Bauer says we are all God's children. Cindy Foreman writes, all people experience the same emotions and feelings like pain, love, happiness, Von Cummings writes, all people have the same basic needs, food, shelter, clothing. All human beings need to have the need to know how did I get here? And Betty Larner writes, we all need a savior. And Gary Foreman writes, we were made by the same God. We tend to develop the same from birth. Once we gain an age is when we start to change. 
the adults in our family seem to mold us into adults that we become and are proud of. That's how we're alike. But how are we different? What comes out that gets us to the point that he can sit there and look and say, you had it all. God showed himself to you, but you wouldn't go. And then the Jews, you had the written law. You had it all. And yet you didn't keep it all. It might go back to the age-old Adam and Eve story. Where Adam and Eve did have it all. They were in a garden of Eden. It was perfect. They didn't have to, to work. Along came the temptation. If you eat of the one thing that God told you not to eat of, you will become like God. In psychology, we call it a God complex. We want to be on top of the heap. But it makes us very different. Romans chapter 3. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, there's a thing that's the same and yet different. Have you all sinned when you look at your life? Yeah, me too. We've probably sinned in different ways, but we have. And God looks at the whole world that sinned, and he finds one way to save the entire world. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now we're back into 1 John. But what I want you to see is this theme that we are sinners at our very best. And the only way we make it is, is to get to Jesus and let him be our advocate. It's so important. In chapter 8, what shall we say these things? If, if God's for us, who can be against us? Now comes the Jesus part. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So who can bring any charge against God elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed 
interceding for us. The intercession is the work of the advocate. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? They're human things, things that we as human beings spread, but he's not done yet. In all those things, we are conquerors through him who loved us. Now notice these things. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if I can give a real quick summary of what he's just said. There isn't anything man can do to get you away from Jesus if you have your belief and you leave and you live for him. Man can throw anything he wants to throw at you. And then there's nothing that's invisible that can be thrown at you. In all of creation, as you're tempted, as things try to separate you from the love of God, angels are mentioned. Things present and things to come are mentioned. You don't have to worry about those. God makes sure that you are in Christ all the way if you want to be. It's a thing called grace. But boy, is it important. For freedom has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now we're back to, to Chuck's point about how we just have to make one sin that we all fall into that box of sinners. You only have to start relying on one other thing before you, you lose that grace that God gives you. It's the grace that keeps you saved, but it's not of your strength. It's not of your power. It says in verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by law. You have fallen away from grace. It's the only place that phrase is in, the whole Bible. You had grace, 
you had the guarantee that you could go to heaven, but you can throw it all away because you believe you have the power to, to do it your own way. For though the Spirit by faith, for though so through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So we still have that same theme going. You're not going to be perfect, but it's all right. We have Jesus on our side. He will make it all right. One more, and we'll call it an evening. Therefore, having put away falsehood. Now, these are people who once were outside of Christ, and they became Christians, and they put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity for the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were all sealed, for the day of redemption. Now, let's back up and get that again. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. If you were in this day and time, the way you made something very important last is you put a seal on it. God put a seal on our salvation. Therefore, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The cross means everything. Believing in what Jesus did for you is, is what you can hang on to. We're all a little different in different ways. But we all need to look to Jesus to be saved. If there are any questions, I'll answer them. It means I was very good or you were very asleep by what I did tonight. One or the other. Okay. Let me give a plug for Sunday morning service here. Matt Robinson will be here. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Rat Matt give a 
a sermon. He's exciting. He's dynamic. He has a lot of good things. So come and hear Matt, and then next Wednesday night, he'll be here. So you get to hear him again. It'll make all the difference in the world. And thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much of it to us to have you there. Be careful with the cold, and we'll see you again next week.